Bridget Scott, there is absolutely nothing to discuss this week's episode. Um, I joke, there's so much to discuss. Uh, there's so much news league-wide, um, massive blockbuster trades. The East is absolutely stacked. Uh, we'll get to all those moves. The, the, the Leafs have really, really altered their their identity with really going with some, you know, playoff caliber players, playoff built players. Tampa Bay is always strong. The Rangers added some huge names. The Devils added Timo Meyer and the Bruins added some guys too. But to keep it local, since February 14th, the Bruins are 8-0. So they are just rolling. Even when they don't play their best, they're rolling. Last night on a back-to-back against Calgary, they didn't play their best. They needed 54 saves on 57 shots against from Linus Allmark to pull out the 4-3 overtime win, and I think we'll start there. So, Bridget, Scott, how are you guys? And initial thoughts on last night's victory. I'm I'm good, and not only did they win without playing their best, they won playing basically their worst. Like, you could not look worse than the Bruins did for most of that game Tuesday night, especially the first two periods. I mean, they're getting outshot 39-9 to after two periods. And somehow have a two to one lead. Uh, Linus Allmark obviously completely stole the game. You know, one Saturday he makes history by scoring the first goal in Bruins history. Tuesday night he makes history by setting the franchise record for most saves in a regular season game with 54. Uh, and especially those first two periods was just standing on his head. Then he makes six more saves in overtime all of them on quality chances before, uh, you know, Bergeron sets up McAvoy for the winner at the buzzer. But yeah, I mean, it, the Bruins got outshot 57 to 20. The It is the most they have ever been outshot in a game in franchise history. Like that's crazy. It's crazy for the best or one of the best Bruins regular season teams in franchise history to end up with that record as well. Uh, Almark, it was a career high in saves for him too. And we know like that's a guy who played on some really awful Buffalo Sabres teams. And yet it's this team, this awesome team where he faces more shots than he's ever faced. Um, Yeah. It was, you know, second night of a back to back and four game road trip and all that. So you understand why they looked so bad, but just amazing that they're still able to find a way to get two points. Yeah, they were outshot in every single period, including overtime, and not just by like a small margin. Like the first period, they were outshot 19 to 5. Second period, 20 to 4. Third period was a little closer, but like it, it's just insane how badly they were getting outshot and outplayed um, by a team that's pretty desperate right now for points. Um, they hadn't been getting points. They, they, they needed to be playing better. Um, they're right outside the playoff picture right now. Um, but it's, it's interesting to me and I, this, this might just be my opinion, but, uh, if you don't have the luxury of going Swayman against Edmonton and then Allmark second night, and he faces this many shots against Calgary, like Allmark is not fresh enough to win that game. And to do that, like Allmark is not stopping 54 shots if he played the night before, because the rest of the team looked tired from the Edmonton game. And then 
if you if you were in net and quick turnaround, you now you're playing back to back nights. If you don't have the luxury of Swayman there to to take half the workload, do you really think he makes fifty four stops? Unlikely, no. It's uh, it's it's luxury that this Bruins team has, and it's just like a, it's been so impressive what they've done in the last couple of weeks. I mentioned the you know record since since Valentine's Day, really. Um, and they've had a lot of travel. Right, it's been a, a mo- the majority of those wins were actually on the road. You're down in Dallas. You're down in Nashville. You're flying cross country to Seattle. You're moving up to Vancouver. You're moving over to you know Edmonton and Calgary, and you have two new guys who were in Washington for the first eighty percent of that of that trip. And you know it's not easy on them, and they're trying to get acclimated to a new team. But to your point about Olmark and Swayman and, and the two of them allowing each other to have the appropriate rest to, and energy to kind of be, play at, a, at an elite level each time they're in between the pipes is very important for this team. And it's, it's like, can Allmark will be 95 years old in a rocking chair with his, with his grandkids or maybe great grandkids. And he's going to be talking to them about the great, the great trip out West where, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, how, like how do you possibly top, um, you know, a 54 save performance. Well, like the week before, or not even the week before, a few games, the last game, he scores a goal. It, it's like the week that he's had is just a microcosm of this amazing season that he's having, that the team's having. And it, 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 I'm ashamed of myself to sit here and be like, yeah, like a, a year and a half ago when Don Sweeney made that trade for Allmark, I was just like, not against it, but I just, I was just like, I just don't get it because I just felt the team at the time had more pressing needs in, in free agency. But Allmark has been like such an amazing ad and such a phenomenal addition by Don Sweeney. And this past week has just really, really um, magnified that for, for me, Bruins fans, hockey fans. Like it's been Vasilevsky and um, Shesterkin and Allmark just has been flying under the radar despite having the league statistic uh, edge in all goalie categories. But hopefully now after this past week, his name will be in lights a little bit more going into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, he's clearly pulling away in the Vezina trophy race. And, you know, I thought, I remember like we had this conversation a while back. Like I thought if anything, it was going to swing the other way down the stretch at one point, because I knew the Bruins wanted to split time and get him rest. And I figured at some point, you know, someone else like Connor Hellebuck or Ilya Sorokin, because they're just playing so many more games, would pass him. Not in the numbers, not in save percentage and goals against average, but just on like sheer value because they would be playing so many more games. But it's like, okay, but Almar, like part of that would have had to have been Almar coming down to earth to some extent. And one of those guys, like, you know, blasting off into the into space and like that hasn't happened like Allmark has just stayed incredibly dominant and is lapping the field in most categories like he's he's now now 31 wins he's three ahead of anyone else save percentage he's eight points better than anyone else and and goals against he's like 0.2 goals per game better and second place in those categories is Philip Gustafson out in Minnesota, who's actually played even fewer games than Allmark. So, like, you can kind of cross him off out of the Vezina conversation. 
And it's like the gap back to, you know, the next group led by Ilya Sorokin is even bigger. So it's like, it's just crazy what he's doing. And, you know, I just don't see a case for anyone else. Even the advanced stats favor him. He's first and goal save above expected on money puck. Um, you know, now the talk is like, is he even going to get into the Hart Trophy discussion? And, you know, I can't in good conscience, like, say he's the favorite there because Connor McDavid is on pace for 150 points. And that's just insane and extremely hard to argue against. But I wouldn't be surprised if Allmark finishes second in voting if he keeps this up. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know who else you'd really make the case for uh ahead of him other than mcdavid it's really impressive that he's had the one that you can tell he's above everyone else um isn't just like the averages it's the fact that he has more wins than anyone and he's been splitting time with another goalie it's like if he had the workload of like an an 80 percent workload or whatnot rather than um, more of an even split can you imagine like how many wins he would have or or it could go the other way and it could be he wouldn't be looking as good. The other numbers wouldn't be as good because he's not as rested. So it could go either way. So you don't know whether or not his numbers would be necessarily better. Um, sure, it'd have more wins. But uh, the fact that he's able to stay fresh, I think, also helps his other stats um, in terms of, like, the averages and save percentage because he's he's just not 100% worn out um, at the edge of, you know, be like feeling the the workload. And I think that kind of gets to one of the questions that we got Maria from Watertown sent us a question about um, how do we feel about the workload that Allmark has? Um, and is it a concern? Uh, so I, I think I know you guys answer, but um, Brian, if you want to start. I'm not concerned, Maria. Um, it's uh, it's not really an issue to me. The Montgomery has a great feel for between between Montgomery and, and and goalie Bob, I think they have um, they know exactly what they're doing um, at ice level, and because of what we've talked about so far on on this this podcast today, it's like um, you have just two really like kind of world class goalies. I mean, Swayman obviously needs to. I mean, they both need to prove themselves over a longer term uh, to to get those accolades, but but this season. In a, in a in a under a microscope, the two of the you know top goalies in the world really, um, top ten both of them, and when you have that luxury, the Bruins will feel no pressure to to ride one guy. Not to mention they're not in a situation where you know they're they're vying for a wild card spot, and then it's it's like a game to game. Oh, who gives us the best chance to win? No, I mean this team is on pace to potentially have the best regular season record of all time in the league's history. So. Um, I personally am not, I'm not concerned about it. Uh, Scott, how about you? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not concerned about Elmark. I'm not concerned about the goalies. The The second part of Maria's question was, you know, or anyone else, I would say the goalies are probably the ones I'm least concerned about since they are going to more or less alternate starts. There'll probably be a few times where, uh, Elmark gets back to back starts and maybe even three in a row at some point, if, you know, they want to try to start building them up a little bit more as they get closer to the playoffs. I would say it's everyone else that I'm probably, you know, a little more worried about just because we just saw what they looked like on the second night of this back-to-back, which was really not good and, and very tired. Um, 
and they have now this was probably the toughest one just given the travel uh involved going out west but they have five more back-to-backs the rest of the way this season so you know they can't even with the huge points lead that the Bruins have, like you can't just chalk those up as like, well, those are going to be off nights or, you know, quote unquote schedule losses or, Hey, we're just going to need our goalie to steal one. Like you've got to be able to perform pretty well in at least a few of those. And, you know, that's where like, I see that as an opportunity to get now, obviously they already have the rotation on defense, which we're going to get into, but even up front, um, you know, I think that's where assuming health, which is another thing we're going to get to because suddenly they don't have that up front. Um, but at some point, I would like to see them rotate some forwards in and out too because, you know, I thought um, I thought the top line of Martian, Bergeron, DeBrusque didn't have an awful game. They were actually the only Bruins line that was over 50% Corsi. But everyone else looked like pretty beat and spent a lot of time just chasing the puck in the defensive zone. So at some point, I think you, you want to, you know, get guys some rest at some point, build something in. Um, so I, I would don't, I would roundabout way of answering Maria's question, but I'm more worried about the other guys, the goalies I'm fine with. I think they're going to be pretty fresh. Um, to give like individual names of people that I would want to see rested at some point here in the last 22 games would be um, Bergeron, Krejci. Um, we haven't hit on Felino, but I'm talking about the older guys in the lineup. Um, probably need some rest. Bergeron has played all 60 games. Uh, he probably is due to get a little bit of rest. Um, there's a few guys that have played all 60 games, including Felino. Um, which he's not expected to play next game. We haven't had an update on him in terms of how long he might be out, but it was kind of a weird knee-to-knee situation that happened with him in the Calgary game, and he left the ice and didn't come back. So he more than likely, even though we don't have an update, um, we assume that he's going to miss a little bit of time. So he, in particular, might need some rest. Like I said, Bergeron, Pasternak, he doesn't look like any different, but he's also played all 60 games. And if I'm the Bruins before the playoffs, I'm getting him some rest too. So I don't know if you guys have any other names you'd throw out there. Well, yeah, I mean, I would just say like that'll probably come into play the last two weeks of the season. Like I, I feel like they might spot a guy here and there, but I, I think they'll really focus on like resting a guy right now in – late February, early March. That's not like really benefiting him for resting him up for a mid-April round, first round of the playoffs. Like you want to give those guys rest a little bit closer to that time because that's where you get, you get the benefits of it. Now, obviously you don't want to give them too rusty. You want to make sure that maybe they get a game under their belt before the playoffs start. But I think that's probably where you'll see a lot of the main players not playing um, for non-injury reasons. But I think right now on the back end, like the addition of Orloff, the last three games, you've seen Connor Clifton, Brendan Carlo, and Matt Grizzlick all be a healthy scratch um, during that span. And that that addition of Orloff will allow the Bruins to kind of keep that rotation going, like Scott mentioned. So I think the decor outside of McAvoy and Lindholm, and even then, if you want to give McAvoy a night off or Lindholm a night off, you have guys that can handle 
you know, top line minutes for a night or two. But I think the defense has a good thing going now. Uh, up front is a little bit more tricky because, like you guys mentioned, there's some injuries up front and uh, and whatnot. You, know, you but... can't just like take one of your top two centers out of the lineup and expect things to go right necessarily. So like you true. Take, take Bergeron out and you're like, okay, now what the hell are we going to do? Like they haven't had to deal with that all season. He's been healthy. He's played every single game. So you've never had to be like, okay, what would we do if we didn't have Bergeron in the lineup? So even if you did want to rest him, there's like a cascade effect that happens. Do you move, where do you move Krejci? Where do you move Marshawn? Where like does Zaka go to well, center? That's, that's what I would say. I get in a situation like that. I think you just, you slide Zaka there for for a game or two. I don't think it'd be a, like I don't think there'll be a game necessarily. Well, they'll they'll take Bergeron and Krejci out simultaneously. So as long as you have one of them for a game, Zaka can just fill the other role and and whatnot. Scott, do you have thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, and it's not the worst idea to like get a game of Krejci and Marshan together or Zaka and Marshan or whatever, just so that, you know they have some shifts together. Because look, obviously we know like if God forbid Bergeron got knocked out for the season. Your Stanley Cup hopes just took an enormous hit. But if Bergeron misses one or two games in the middle of the series, like you want to be able to survive that and, you know, maybe be able to pull one out without him in the lineup. So there's also benefits to like to doing that um, and getting, you know, one game or two games somewhere uh, in with some different combinations just to you know, get guys with a little bit more comfort who maybe haven't played together very much. Obviously we know, you know, Bergeron and Marchand are almost never split up. So, uh, you know, like you just want to maybe have a look at that at some point. Yeah. And if you think about the way that the NBA does load management, it isn't just, you take the guys out at the end of the season. It's, you know, minutes restrictions. It's guys are playing only two games a week instead of three it's a different way of managing than I think we're used to seeing in the NHL, which is like at the end of the season, when we know like we can rest people, we, we do, but like, like with the Bruins defense, you're going to see a rotation. There's is a way for the forward group to probably get that rotation too. But the, like I'm saying about the centers, it's more complicated. And like you mentioned with Felino being out, like them being a little bit more short staff because they, um, they, they don't have as much depth there um, necessarily. This is another situation where, you know, you add Hathaway and you know he could slot in for Felino, Um, and you know you have a guy, you know, like you have that guy there that you still, I know you traded away Craig Smith, but you have a reliable guy that can take those minutes um, if Felino is going to be out. Yeah, and like when you're healthy, you have you have the options of Hathaway and, Felino and Nosick and Greer and you know, Frederick, depending on where you want to slide it. But you have options. Like you, if you're healthy and everybody's everybody's playing well, like you have that that extra forward or two that could be in the lineup, deservedly so. But they have that depth. But you raise a good point too, Bridget, where it's like uh, you can also have you can also manage players' minutes when they are playing, and that that that's one of the benefits this team has too. Like for example, the Jim Montgomery has made a a, a very um, concerted effort to put Charlie Coyle on the PK this year and elevate his role in the penalty kill and Jake DeBrus can play penalty kill and other guys like in the past it was like you're really taxing Marshan and Bergeron because they're your, they're your go-to PKers and up front and and whatnot but now it's like you, you look across the entire forward group I think outside of Pasternak and maybe Krejci like I feel like most Bruins forwards have been 
given PK time before. Like Zaka's been on the PK. I think even Taylor Hall may have had a, a brief stint there. Maybe not. But my point is, it helps manage minutes for your big guns, and you don't have to play them in all situations when they don't have to. And that's something that having having depth throughout the lineup has as well. Same thing on the back end too. But you know, um, Scott, yeah, do you want Montgomery's done ahead. a really good job of that. I said Montgomery's done a really good job of that in-game management all season where, you know, if they're up by three or four goals, you'll see Bergeron at like 14, 15 minutes at the end of the game. 